I found it totally fascinating when we got to space that one of the first things that astronauts want to do is grab a pair of binoculars and zoom in. Here you are, 200 miles above the Earth, you have this incredible vantage point. It's like being on top of a mountain. I was searching for my house from space. It's much too small to see, but with a pair of binoculars I could zoom in and, and find the nearest intersection, a big intersection, maybe you know, a half a mile from my house, and I was excited to see that. I'm here with Colt St. George, who is Rough Guide's multimedia editor. A little while ago, Colt interviewed a NASA astronaut called Don Thomas, um, and I recently dug up the recording and gave it a listen, and... I was blown away by his descriptions of planet Earth as seen from outer space. And he has some really, truly unique perspectives. So I thought we would put it out as a podcast episode. Colt, what was Don like as a guy? Yeah, I mean, he was a nice dude. I think at first I was struck by his appearance because I mean, this guy's been to outer space four times. And I suppose I sort of, in the back of my mind, imagined someone like Marine like U.S. Marine-like or Spartan-esque. Yeah. And then he walked in and he kind of just looked like a suburban American dad, just like your average dude, you know, <laughs> not blasting off to space. So not your average Buzz Lightyear, you'd say. He's like more like a regular Joe who happened to find himself in outer space. Maybe. I mean, the dude worked for it, right? Like, <laughs> he worked his ass for it. Like, he worked. But... um but yeah, you'd never think he's, you know, super humble, but really, really inspiring. first time you look out the uh, the window once you're in space, I think the reaction of every astronaut is about the same. First, there's this huge gasp that goes, oh, wow. And, and you just can't believe what you're looking at. You know, even though I had seen many pictures of the Earth taken from space and I had seen the huge IMAX movies with images of Earth, when I saw it with my own eyes, I just gasped. And I was amazed at the blackness of space. You know, it's a darker, richer color than I'd ever seen before. It looked like a velvety black. It almost had texture to it. And I compare it to the glowing of a fluorescent white bulb. If you could get a fluorescent black color glowing there, that's almost like the blackness of space. And then right up against the blackness of space, here you have the beautiful blue Earth and the thin, thin layer of atmosphere that's protecting us here on planet Earth. It looks quite infinite when you're down on the surface, but from above, looking back at the Earth, our atmosphere appears as a paper-thin layer. And it, I'm just uh, amazed when I looked out the window to see how thin that atmosphere is. 
and immediately you sense how fragile planet Earth is. It's moving to see the Earth. Uh, you know, I've seen sites like the top of Mount Everest, places I've never been to before, but to see the top of Mount Everest 25 times. You know, I call it the lazy man's way to see the top of Mount Everest. I've seen the Great Barrier Reef off Australia. I've seen the Amazon rainforest down in Brazil and South America and Mount Kilimanjaro, volcanic peak, poking up through the clouds in Africa. Just so many incredible sights. Every orbit of the Earth, you see something new and different. I wanted to be an astronaut ever since I was six years old. Uh, at that point, we were launching the first American in space. It was May 5th, 1961. And somebody at my school had the idea to bring the uh, students down to the gymnasium, and we watched the launch on a small black-and-white TV. And as soon as that launch was over, I was hooked. I knew I wanted to be an astronaut and, and go into space. And the next year, John Glenn, the first American to orbit the Earth, just reinforced that for me. A few years later, uh, Neil Armstrong, the first American to set foot on the moon, uh, you know, it just had me enthralled and I wanted to go into space. I wanted to go to the moon, actually, and be able to look back at the beautiful blue Earth from, from that vantage point. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. After high school, I went on to college and got my bachelor's degree and then my master's and doctorate. I got out of college and was doing research work uh, on uh, semiconductor materials for a few years. And then I eventually made my way to the Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas, and got a job working for NASA as an engineer on the space shuttle program. I started applying to NASA to become an astronaut. It took me four, four tries before I made it into the program. The first three I was turned down, but I kept at it, kept trying, kept trying to improve my background, and ultimately made it in 1990 in the 13th group of astronauts at NASA Selects. I've been to space four times, uh, all four on the space shuttle. I've spent 44 days in space, and during that time I orbited the Earth 692 times. You know, I always loved passing over uh, Egypt and looking out the window. Um, I had visited there in 1980 when I was in college, and to pass over Egypt and see the Nile River, this bright green pathway cutting through the center of, of Egypt there. It was just spectacular. You see the blue water of the Mediterranean and the brown desert areas. So this contrast between brown, green, and bright blue was just overtaking every time I saw that. And because I had visited there, you know, it was extra special, I think, for me from space. Another favorite view that, that we all had, I think almost all the astronauts on board the shuttle we love passing over the Kennedy Space Center. That was our launch pad. And as I look back, one of the thoughts that popped into my head was, I have just been around planet Earth one time, and my family is probably stuck in traffic waiting to get back to their hotel after they had seen the launch. And it, it really put it all in perspective for me, where I was and what I was doing. I think the most popular entertainment for the astronauts is looking out the window. And, and I do this on a commercial airplane flight. I, I love sitting near the window and just watching the Earth go by. What we also do, uh, we've got uh, like iPods up there today. When I was flying, we had CD players. And I like listening to music. My favorite was listening to Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, as we would orbit the Earth. 
especially if you could get like part nighttime, part daytime in there. It's a great, great uh, album to listen to as you orbit planet Earth. As we flew over South America, I saw areas where we were cutting and burning the rainforest. And I had heard about that and knew, yeah, we're cutting it down and burning it. But when I orbited overhead and looked back at it and I could see the extent of what was being done, it was just uh, surprising and alarming. Uh, almost the entire continent of, smoke, uh, of South America was under a smoke pall during my mission back in 1994. And it really hit home that this cutting and burning of the rainforest isn't just affecting a small city or country or region there. It was affecting the entire continent of South America and probably, you know, the entire planet there. I saw other sites like a huge dust storm coming off the western Sahara. And this dust was carried nearly all the way across the Atlantic Ocean. It fizzled out somewhere near the Bahamas. And you realize there's global processes going on. Dust from one continent gets carried across the ocean, you know, to another continent there. And it turns out that dust from the Sahara is one of the major nutrients for the rainforests in South America that keep them going. So you see these global processes that you normally wouldn't experience here on Earth, and you see them on this huge scale, you know, up on, on board the space shuttle. And that was just amazing to see that, to take that all in. You know, commercial space travel is so close to us right now, I think we're just a few years away. Uh, I think the first uh, person that will be doing this will be Richard Branson with Virgin Galactic. Uh, I think maybe two or three years away from him sending up people on, on his spaceship. And uh, the more people that can get up to space to look back at planet Earth, I think the better off we're all going to be. Uh, as soon as I had reached orbit and I'm looking out the window, one of the first thoughts I had after I was just gasping with that amazement was, boy, I wish uh, you know my mother could see this, my wife could see it, my brothers and sisters, my friends. I wanted everybody to see that perspective that I had just seen. And I say that if, if anybody looked out the window just for 10, 15 seconds, that would be all it would take to change you forever in how you view planet Earth. So I know that commercial space travel is coming. After Virgin Galactic, we've got other companies like SpaceX and Boeing that will be launching commercial uh, spacecraft and, and capsules with, with space tourists from the Kennedy Space Center there. And, and we're just, again, years away. And, and my hope would be, and my expectation is, that maybe a decade or two decades from now, the price gets driven down to maybe, you know, 10,000 pounds or so, 15,000 pounds. And it'll be, you know, comparable to what you might pay for an exotic vacation to Ant Antarctica, for example. I still enjoy, you know, traveling on uh, airplanes, flying over continents. Uh, but I find it a little slow. Once, once you've flown on the space shuttle at 18,000 miles an hour and you can orbit the Earth in 90, you know, a mere 90 minutes, uh, it, it, sometimes I get a little impatient as, as it takes multiple hours to cross the Atlantic. To fly back to the United States in, in a few days, it'll, it'll be a eight or nine hour trip where if I was with the space shuttle, I could be back home maybe in five minutes. And as I travel around the world, you know, more and more, and I visit schools where, you know, I'll speak to students, I learn one thing, and that's that we're all more similar than we are different. It doesn't matter what country you're from, what your religion is. Uh, I, I find humans the same as I travel around the planet. And I, I look at all of us as earthlings. I don't distinguish us as, as much as from countries or religions. That I look at everybody here as earthlings and that we're all on this one planet together, the spaceship called Earth, you know, hurtling through space.
you know, I wish it good luck. You know, we, we need to take better care of this planet and every single astronaut, anybody who's been to space, and there's been about 600 of us, and I think every one of those 600 come back and, and their words of wisdom are, you know, wow, this planet is so fragile. We have to take better care of it. And you see from space how, you know, we're destroying it, you know, cutting the rainforest down and polluting the air. And you see these open uh, pit mines that are polluting areas. It just makes you realize, you know, we have to take better care of this place because if, if, if it becomes unlivable, we don't have many good options. You know, there are a few uh, Earth-like planets around other stars, but we have no way to get there right now. To get to the nearest star from our sun, it would take, it would be a journey of about a thousand years to get there with our current technology. So it just makes you, uh, again, appreciate, you know, this planet is so fragile, we all have to take better care of it. And it takes all of us, you know, all of the citizens of the world from every country, you know, we all have to realize that this is all of our planet and we, you know, need to work together to keep it clean, to keep the pollution down, and just to protect it for, for ourselves and future generations. Thank you to Don Thomas for coming in. Cheers also to Colt St. George for interviewing him a little while ago. Thanks to my producer Alana Chance, to George D and Keith Drew from Rough Guides, and to Ruth Barnes and Laura Sheeta from Chalk and Blade. And remember, if you're enjoying the podcast, you can subscribe to it on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can even give us a rating or a review on iTunes. 